Welcome to our podcast, we'd like to just sit and talk Chris and Kyle will tell a joke or two and maybe throw in a bit of style With the movies and TV, video games, comics and more So sit back and listen, cause fun is in store Maybe Welcome everybody to episode 4 of Media Sandwich Reheated. I'm Chris. And I'm Kyle. And today's episode is Creepy Sandwich. And why is that, Kyle? Because uh, it's uh, it's that Halloween days. It's Halloween time. Or at least we're recording this uh, right before Halloween. Yeah. On the, right on the cusp. It's right before, so in theory, should be coming out right on Halloween, maybe. Hopefully. We'll see, yeah, we'll see. If not, then, then after, and if. It's one of those, like, you know, when Halloween lands in the middle of the week, Halloween extends on yeah. both sides. Yeah, I saw a lot of Halloween stuff going on over this last weekend, like on the 28th, and uh, the 28th was a big deadline for me on a personal project, so mm-hmm. I was like, well, everybody enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your... <laughs> Your four or five major AAA video games coming out. Your oh man, pre-ordering your fancy new iPhone. Whatever your you know your your Netflix show that you want to binge. Everybody mm-hmm. had fun this weekend except for me. It was a big. It was a banner weekend to consume media. Yes, and <laughs> but you did not consume the media, Kyle. What did you do in today's ad space? Oh, it's ad space already. Ad space already. Um, I finished my book and I got it into the Kindle store. It's available right now. You can go open up a tab, click on it, and you type in Cinema Autopsy or Kyle Martinak. You're going to find a book and it's mine. It's my book. I finished it. No one can tell me that I didn't. <laughs> I spent the majority of my weekend finishing editing it, so I hope that there's not too many errors. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's available right now, and it's a, a group of bad movie essays. So I watched some of the worst movies of the last... Well, I mean, actually, the movies range from... I think the oldest one in the book is from 1953, and the most recent one is from 2015. Hmm. What was the most recent one? I want to say off the top of my head that it was uh, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Oh, Fantastic! Which I I maintain of the four movies they've made of the Fantastic Four, including the Roger Corman one that no one ever saw. Yeah. Uh, this one's the worst. <laughs> it's wor- it's so much worse than the Jessica Alba ones and that Roger Corman one. The Roger Corman one's kind of charming because you're watching a Fantastic Four movie that was made for one million dollars. Yeah. In 1993. So it's fun to watch, at least. it's That's a fun, bad movie. The The Josh Trank one's despicable. <laughs> it's it's I, I, It angers me just the sight of it. And that that's kind of the, the tone of the book, too. It's a little salty. <laughs> I, I wrote a, a good majority of it as blog posts back during my Chain Gang Media days. Mm-hmm. But I've gone through and I've cleaned them all up and uh, written a couple new ones. Uh, let's see. I, I Of the new ones, I also did uh, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Ooh, I... That, that was a rough one for me because I really oh, yeah. liked the first movie. I mean, I love... I mean, everyone 
that we knew loved the first movie, and we were all stoked for the sequel. Yeah, like, back in 2009. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, we can't wait for them to do the sequel, because I think at that point we had all read Sin City. Oh, yeah, it, it, it got passed around... Uh... It got passed around in our high school when the first one came out. Yeah. And the second one kind of retroactively makes you wonder if the first one was actually garbage and you just were, I don't know, drunk or something. That's a bad sequel. Yeah, yeah. It makes you it's... question the first movie. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of scared to go back and watch the first one now. But I maintain, <laughs> I maintain that the first one does hold up because you can also... You can you can see that everyone's having fun. The second one, I don't see anybody having fun. Yep. But yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that I talk about in the book. Uh, it's uh, it's available for four ninety nine as a Kindle book, and if you don't already have a, a Kindle app, the app is free and it links up to your Amazon account. So if you've got an Amazon account, then you've got a Kindle account and. <laughs> If you have the Kindle app on literally any device, that's the device you can read it on. You can read it on your laptop, on your phone. Uh, it'd be oddly appropriate to read it on your smartphone because uh, that's what I did the majority of my writing on was my smartphone. Well, what do you know? This leads into our next segment, the late to the party segment. Uh-huh, it certainly does. I finally have an iPhone. This is a, this is a banner Red Letter Day. This is a dark, dark day. <laughs> uh, Those of you who don't know, Chris has had the same cellular telephone since, I want to say, 2006. No, no, no. This was 2009. I'm oh, sorry, 2008. Big, big it was one year before Sheree and I got married. So this, the phone I had was I had longer than our marriage, which we just celebrated eight years. So it was nine-year-old phone. Still is nine-year-old phone. I didn't lose it. It's a Samsung Juke. What made it so cool? You could have music on your phone. Uh huh. That it, was the big thing. It's not a smartphone. It's no. a. It is a phone first and foremost, and pretty much that's it. It's a switchblade, basically. It looks. You flick it out, and you flick. Ah, ooh, let me check my phone. I love my Juke. I really wish I could still be using my Juke because it's so small and compact, fit nicely in my pocket. Uh, it fit well into my ear. I'm used to it. I had already like I had all my settings that I liked. I liked it when I pressed all the buttons. Every I had the xylophone button setting. So bing bong 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 bing bong. I remember I remember the xylophone setting on a Samsung yeah. flip phone because I remember I I use it I use the xylophone keypad and I figured out how to type out Funky Town. Yeah, you I remember that of course. Oh, of course. Uh, I, I love my Juke. Uh, I used it for music back in the day. Of course, I, I upgraded to... <laughs> well, this is going to make me sound even dumber. I upgraded to a Zune, thank you very much. <laughs> That's right, you were a Zune adopter. A Zune adopter. Not when it was new, obviously. This was way after the Zune was discontinued. I just needed an upgrade, and I said, I need more memory from... At that point, I had been using an iPod Touch for my music, and I was like, I need more. Someone's like, oh, I have like a 16-gig uh, Zune that you can have for, you know, 40 bucks something not crazy so i took that and that's cool though because a zune that's that's already retro like star lord star lord has a zune now yeah i still use the zune the zune works fine uh other than like i'm not gonna get into the zune media player and how that was very really uh very really stupid 
Yeah, well, that was the that was the reason why they died. Well, I mean, like, okay, quick quick diversion. Uh, Windows Media Player is a great, it's great. Windows Media Player is perfect. I liked it. It was fine. Uh, it was a Microsoft creation. Windows Media Player. Windows is Microsoft. Windows Media Player and Microsoft. Like, let's make it music device. Cool. What's gonna be Zune? Awesome. How are we gonna use it? Well, uh, we have to. You have to download the Zune player. I'm like, hold on a sec. Why? Oh, is it compatible <laughs> with Windows Media Player? Oh, not at all. It's like, oh my gosh, you're. So, what are you gonna do? You can just make Windows Media Player again? No, we're gonna make a much worse thing. Like, oh, awesome. So, and of course, even now, it doesn't retroactively sync up with Windows Media Player, which really pisses me off. That's not here there. My phone, my beautiful Samsung Juke. I loved it. I. I love the mainly that I did not have a smartphone, so I always felt special. And I didn't <laughs> have a touch screen, so I felt special. And it was mine. It was unique. I knew that, like, I had all my different ringtones that I had downloaded. I had the, if you called me, you heard the bare necessities. Special. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. last month or so, I finally started to, I got definitive confirmation that I was starting to get garbled texts. I knew there was an issue if people sent me emojis because being an older phone, it couldn't receive emojis properly. So, so did you did you just get them as the regular text, like the sideways text? or No, I would get... Um, sometimes it would just leave a blank space. Sometimes it, the message would cut at that emoji. So if someone had more to say, it would cut it. Sometimes it would mangle the message entirely. So I would get a message that looked like broken pieces. And... Or sometimes it would take one message, spread it over two, or just the entire message would be blank, blank, whole blank texts. And I would have to then text the person back and be like, hey, I didn't get that. Can you send it again? Don't send an emoji if you send an emoji. And it's this awkward, like, hi, guys, I'm sorry, but my phone is very persnickety. If you could please resend that with no modern uh, sensibilities, that would be fantastic. But, you know... I don't even know what voice that was, but I—that's uh, the voice of somebody who literally didn't get a smartphone until 2017. Exactly. So eventually, I was with a friend, uh, a coworker, and I had texted him one night, said, "Hey, do you know the answer to? Do you know something work-related? You know?" And he's like, "Oh, I am, you know, kind of laughing." Sends me multiple texts, and the last one says, "Like I, you know, I get it." And it says, "I, I don don't remembered." no punctuation and i like the next day i'm like man you were really drunk last night he's like what <laughs> i'm like yeah look at this mangled text you were sending like you kept forgetting and you finally like mangled this thing and he's like no and he shows me his phone and it's and it was i don't remember very clear proper punctuation use the apostrophe and i'm like oh that's it my phone is now officially dropping things based on apostrophes i'm like uh God, I can't do this anymore. Like, I have to have a phone that can function. Otherwise, this is going to be a bigger problem. It's just going to get worse and worse. As well, yeah, especially yeah. work-related stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's the primary form of communication now is a simple text. And yeah, <clears throat> were, were you still operating off of a plan where you had limited amounts of texts? Oh no, we're on unlimited texts as far as I know, or at least, oh, okay. I don't know. We have a shared data plan between me, my wife, and my my mom and my sister. And we hadn't had a problem going over the limit. Today, now that this is my first couple weeks with a smartphone, suddenly we're getting the text saying, you are 10% from the end of your, your data limit. You have 11 days left. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> that's my fault. 
So I inherited my wife's old iPhone because she just needed to upgrade this last couple weeks because she this iPhone has I think eight gigs of memory. She takes a lot of pictures with you know we have Charlie and Lily, a oh, three yeah. year old and a three month old. So lots of pictures are being taken. She's taking pictures for her art projects as well, personal projects, and uh, for work stuff like that. So she needs a phone that can handle more memory. So she talked to a friend and she's like, yeah, I going to get a uh, 64 gig i think it's 64 gigs like much more gigs many many more gigs or many contained. many much gigs many much gigs i think she was getting like an iphone 7 or 8 something like that so she's oh, she, so she's getting the new one like the newish one new ish i think it's a 7 so it's you know not too late now that we're jumping we went to i7 i8 now it's going to be the iphone 10 or should be called the iphone x because now what are they going to call the next one it's not going to be 11 i guarantee it's going to be called the 10 too <laughs> we're we're, well, pulling, we're gonna pull a final fantasy here and we're gonna have a 10 2 i'm calling it now predictions predictions made hot take hot take hot well take. here's my hot take i don't like iphones i'm a, no. i'm a i'm a samsung diehard mm. yeah. uh so much so that i was a note 7 mm. user i i got a note 7 on day one and then by day like five they were like oh that might blow up so <laughs> Should probably give that back and and I did. I dropped down to a Samsung uh, Edge Seven or Seven Edge, mm-hmm. and that's that's what I've been operating off of ever since. It's my primary video device. It's my primary uh, writing device. It it mm-hmm. does pretty. It, it's essentially it's my primary computer. Like I'm staring at my laptop right now because that's what I record on, but. Mm-hmm. Anything that I can do on my phone, I do on my phone because it's the most advanced thing I have. And it's got the most memory because they gave me a free micro SD card. So I've got a quarter of a terabyte on this thing. It's 256 gig mm-hmm. plus the, I think, 32 built in. But I I like Android better than iPhones because I like to manipulate my files and I like to send a file from my work computer to my phone and not have to worry about whether or not it's going to open it. Yeah. That's probably not as big of a problem with iPhones anymore, but it certainly was three or four generations ago, and I was sick of it. Yeah, I just don't like this thing. (laughs) Um, It's an iPhone 5S. I don't have a lot of comparison with, of course, with touchscreens. I hate touchscreens. My texting speed has slowed way down. I used to be able to text with one hand without looking because I had buttons and I knew which buttons did what. And people said, ha ha, it's so silly. I can hear the beep, 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 boop, 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 boop. Like I have to keep pressing the same button because, of course, it's a touchpad, you know, and like a, you know, it's a dial pad to do, to do letters. Yeah. Yeah. Like we all had to like 10 years ago. Yeah. And I, I was at this master level, which we all got to. And I was at that. I think, oh yeah, I can text with one hand. I can basically... I'm not going to say I can text and drive, but I could text and drive because I was not looking at the thing. It was maybe texting and driving wouldn't be a good idea, but you were definitely at like the level of Matt Damon in The Departed when he's like typing a text into his phone in his pocket. Yeah, I mean, I could basically do that. Like, I'm still looking at the road and I'm focusing on the road, and I, I my eyes are not leaving the road. I'm watching fully, but I can still 
type with one hand. Again, now I didn't do that. Don't do that, kids. Don't ever text and drive. Don't <laughs> drink and drive. And don't support terrorists. Also, if you're a kid and you're listening to this podcast, where are your parents? <laughs> yeah, go get your parents. Tell them to listen to. Tell, them, yes. <laughs> tell your parents to tell their friends to listen to our podcast. Call your boss. Call your parents' boss. Call your friend's parents' boss. Tell them to listen to this podcast. There. <laughs> so with this phone i've slowed down texting i'm getting used to the fact that i can send pictures and stuff to people but i'm also dropping texts more often than i ever did before and it's really ticking me off um i hate the way it feels to make a call on this thing uh it just sucks i just don't like i don't i just don't like these things i hate that this is the direction that we went just this boring slab phones have not looked cool since we made them boring slabs I miss buttons. I miss shapes. I miss things. Like for a while, do you remember like cell phones were going through a wave of like, what's the cell phone going to look like? We didn't know. We're like, oh, cool. Look at these things. It flips out. Like, whoa. Well, hence hence your love of that Samsung Juke because that yeah. was a very unique looking phone. It was so unique. I had more people talking about my phone because it was a novelty, sure. and But lots of compliments from people like, yeah, that's such a cool phone. I wish I had that still. Uh, no one ever talks about current phones unless they're like, oh, you got the new one. Wow, how much did you spend that much money on a new thing that does exactly what the previous one did except uh, a little worse? Like, how are these things getting worse somehow? And then, of well, course... That, eh. That's a matter of perspective. Cause sure. In, I, I have certainly seen a lot of improvement just over the last generation from... Well, I, I tend to skip a generation because I go the full two-year contract usually, and yeah. I had a... <clears throat> excuse me. That can be cut out. No. It's, nope. it's there forever. Oh, I'm so sorry, listeners. <laughs> uh, I had a Samsung uh, Galaxy S5, which I the second I decided on that one, I had a little bit of buyer's remorse because it didn't look great. It was kind of plastic and kind of felt Fisher price esque by comparison to all the premier ones coming out from Apple and HTC and Motorola. Mm-hmm. But it, the, the, the flip side of that coin was that you could take the back off of it, remove the battery. If you had to replace the battery, take out the SD card or the SIM card, you had more control over your device, and that's kind of my thing. I like having the maximum amount of control over it, which that's why I'm an Android fan. That's I, I would definitely go with something other than Samsung after some of the PR disasters they've had, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm used to the OS, and I'm used to... I'm even used to the Samsung bloatware, which some of it I actually use. And there's a minimum amount of bloatware by comparison to Apple, who's like, yeah, I know, you have to get this phone that looks exactly like the last phone that looked exactly like the last phone, but here's iTunes and GarageBand and iMovie. You can have all those for free. That's a $500 value. (laughs) And none of them are that good, but... But they're just good enough to be impressive for free. Well, I'll tell you a free app that I finally used to its fullest potential. <laughs> Pokemon Go. Uh, I had So I had been playing Pokemon Go a uh, year and a half ago, two years ago, whenever it first came out. I was playing it a little bit when it first came out. 
Um, not directly, but I started playing it here and there when I had, I still have an Android tablet, just a basic tablet that I still use almost nightly to just like listen to, I, I like to pull up uh, YouTube and just listen to a YouTube playlist I've made for myself and just put that mm-hmm. on shuffle and listen to, you know, I, you know, cause it's just for me, I just call it the best of the best. And it's all my favorite songs from YouTube that I'm just listening to. Um, and so I used that tablet, and I used that for a while to play Pokemon Go, but the thing wasn't very powerful. So I would see a lot of issues with it, like, oh, it was really tough to connect to the servers. If I left my home base, it really had a hard time keeping up, especially with the GPS tracking. Just Probably it was drained your battery really quickly, too. Not too bad, because it was a tablet, you know, and this is an Android tablet. So it was fine, and, but I still had a lot of issues with the game, and I got really bored playing it, because I, I mean... That typified it when I went on a like an hour and a half, two hour walk up to a college campus where near where I lived at the time in Oregon City. Uh, walked around, hit a whole bunch of Pokestops, trying to catch something exciting. This is still only Gen One Pokemon available, and I'm trying to catch something exciting. And in my two hour trek, I caught nothing of interest, nothing of value. Felt like a huge waste, and I just kind of went, you know. I don't feel like playing this anymore. And I stopped. And then when we moved to where we are now, I thought, okay, well, I'll try one more time. Uh, I booted it up and tried to walk around. And for some reason, it just really couldn't connect to the network. I'm like, screw it. It's done. Haven't, it didn't play it since until then I got the iPhone or at least inherited my wife's iPhone. So now I'm like, oh, now I have a device that's more powerful. I can, I can take this more places. I did finally test it on a really big walk. I took Lily, my three-month-old daughter, strapped her to me. We went for a night walk down to mike's drive-in for you oregon residents if you know Mike's right on uh mostly because mike's drive-in has a dollar soft serve you can't beat that deal go down go down your (laughs) no you can't johnny carson (laughs) no no, you can't beat that deal that's terrible johnny carson man it is i'm striking out with i can't do any impressions anymore kyle i'm i'm impressioned out uh (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure everybody's cool with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm terrible impressions now. It just doesn't work anymore. Uh, but I walked down, uh, and I, I found that I can get 70 minutes, roughly, off of full charge uh, playing Pokemon Go. That's how quickly it sucks the battery. Um, That's the same thing with mine. I uh, I don't know if I even had my, my uh, Galaxy S7 when I started playing Pokemon Go, but... The battery went down so quickly. Mm-hmm. It and... makes sense that it's using not just the app to connect directly to the server and has to keep in constant connection to it, but you're also having to use your GPS services. So it's using yeah. two apps that require constant communication with not not just themselves, but with also the, the independent service. I, I get that. It still sucks. Like It's still unacceptable and people are oh well yeah you just you just gotta take a battery you gotta have an extra spare battery charger i'm like no (laughs) that's really stupid to me i did break down and get one of those uh one of those battery chargers but Mm -hmm. i mostly got it because it was like eight bucks and i spend most of my day traveling in between my little rural town and the bigger city i my office is right next to Nike Town in Beaverton, the mm-hmm. big Nike headquarters. So it's a bit of a trek. And I, you know, between a tablet, a phone, 
uh, now a smartwatch as well that I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's nice to have a battery just in case. And I actually pulled it out just the other day (laughs) because a coworker of mine has a brand new iPhone, forgot her little dongle that allows her to actually use her headphones Mm -hmm. because this is something that is a big problem for me with uh, the, the way smartphones are headed they're getting rid of the headphone jack completely yeah. because the expectation is you should totally spend a couple hundred dollars on our Apple brand or Samsung brand earbuds that you're probably going to lose anyway. Yep. And that's greed. That's that's just naked avarice to me, and I don't care for it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so she needs a little dongle that takes the... I always want to say Thunderbolt or Lightning Bolt, but I can't remember which one it is. (laughs) But Apple's little connector that they finally switched to, I think, around the iPhone 5. Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt? Okay, yeah. There's a little dongle that you have to use that'll switch from the Thunderbolt to a 3.5 millimeter jack. Mm -hmm. So you either have to deal with that or you got to deal with Bluetooth headphones, which... You, they're getting cheaper at least. You can get you can get Bluetooth headphones for pretty cheap, but they're not going to be great. Uh, and I'm I'm not there yet. I I like a cord, mm-hmm. but I did pull out the little charger. Well, I can tell you about Pokemon Go. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm going to delete it right now. I'm uh, <laughs> this Whoa. is live. Uh, on on air, this is this is just this is a new thing. Uh, delete Pokemon Go, delete it. It's gone. Did it done? That was great um, because I played it for the last three weeks or so, um, and it kind of was the perfect time for me to see what it was like to go through the spooky holiday, like Halloween time. So a lot of ghost Pokemon, a lot of the creepier Pokemon were ready, and in doing so, they actually started opening up some Gen three Pokemon. But not all of them, just a couple of the spooky ones. Like, okay, so you're adding... Maybe they added five new ones, basically, of the spooky stuff from Gen 3. Right. Okay, and now I'm starting like, oh, and there's a bunch of Gen 2 Pokemon I can go through. But already in the two, three weeks I'm playing this again, I'm still seeing the same crap that I... The problems I saw to begin with. Main one is, now you're over 200 Pokemon, like 250 Pokemon. I should not be seeing so many of the same ones. I should not be running into Raditas and Pidgeys. It's not on it. That's just ridiculous. And now like, oh, you're going to add a new Sentret, which is like the Raditas of, of Gen 2. Like, nope, can't do that. This is getting ridiculous. And worse, because I'm two and a half years late to the party on this one, one of the main features of the game are gyms. Yeah, gyms are almost impossible if you are not already at a high enough level to compete with these things. And I'm Team Instinct. That's Team Yellow. That's the worst team. I picked it because I knew most people weren't in it, and I felt that was cool. I wanted to be part of something special. Unfortunately, Team Mystic, you can suck on my balls. And I had one day where I went to work, like I was going to work, I was at the Max Station, and there was a Team Mystic gym of six Pokemon. And I walked up to him like, oh. They're all ready to just push right over. I'm going to put, I'm going to, it's about sending a message. And that message is, Team Instinct is not gone. We are still here. And I wiped out that gym. And I felt so good that I put my guy up. I'm like, all right, here's my like level 1000 combat power, Hypno. 
and I go and stand waiting for my max train. And this happens within five minutes. And within that five minutes, some mystic a-hole walks up and I hear him open the app and I see in my app my hypno getting beaten up and then within a minute he's gone. It's like, hypno fell from the gym. I'm like, oh, no shit. Thanks, Team Mystic. You just, you couldn't, you couldn't even let me have five minutes. And of course, and I look and he's just, he's put his like, 2500 combat power Gyarados up in the gym if, if this doesn't make any sense to you who cares it didn't make any sense to me either and I love Pokemon and I know Pokemon but it's just like wow this really sucks so I don't want to play this anymore that really killed it for me yeah I I couldn't I once it got to a point where it was like all right now you're gonna start battling each other I was like and done that's when I deleted it I actually just checked my phone just now to be like yeah do I even have it nope yeah I mean I, you don't you don't even technically battle each other you bat like you place your Pokemon in the gym and you let pe- then your Pokemon just notify so the battling it's so many waste potentials you should they should have had player versus player by this point they should have had trading they have not had that. They're still like slogging along, like, dude, you are over 750 Pokemon in the main games. You're in Gen 7. They've even announced that they're working on Gen 8 for the Switch. You need to have more. This and is- trading, trading would have kept me. I because yeah. I'm only I was only in it to collect. I was only collecting Pokemon, and I would have love to do some trading with my nephews or mm-hmm. even with there it took it took my office by storm people were playing in my office non-stop walking around the office and whatnot would have been fun but that yeah. is a gargantuan app that just absolutely kills my my battery mm-hmm. it takes up a whole lot of ram mm-hmm. on a phone so i i gave it the i gave it the axe i want to say about a year ago probably i i didn't last very long yeah five minutes ago it's gone it's off my phone <laughs> you're all part well, of your witnessed you witnessed pokemon history well personal history with with you it seems like that pokemon more like pokemon go to the polls i mean really <laughs> i you're fine totally fine <laughs> late to the party joke <laughs> well uh <laughs> well i can counter your late to the party with uh not not nearly as late to the party because nothing's gonna top you getting a smartphone 10 years later than everybody else <laughs> did uh or playing a pokemon game like almost two years after the fact which is weird for you of course but i got a mobile game that i just started today Mm-hmm. and everybody else got into it at least a month ago. So I'm late to the party by a little bit, and that's the Stranger Things video game, especially talking about Spooky uh, spooky Sandwich. Mm-hmm. This Stranger Things game is one of the best free mobile games I've played in a long time. Interesting. It's, it's an 8-bit adventure game, uh, very, very much... Uh, you know, Zelda inspired in top top down looks, mm-hmm. but uh, very very much customized to the show. It's you start as uh, Chief Hopper, and then eventually you collect all the kids to be members of your party, and every one of them's got a special uh, maneuver or attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go through the lab, you go through the woods. 
I'm sure there's more beyond that, but you can go into each major house, like the buyer's house. Uh, you the, the 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 little kids literally still call Steve a douchebag, <laughs> which I thought was awesome because I'm I'm going through season one of Stranger Things again because my wife missed it. Uh, I mm. when when season one dropped, I had no idea what it was because I had not really been on the internet because mm-hmm. my my daughter had just been born that week, so I went through Stranger Things season one with a brand new baby in my arms at 5 a.m. every day for like a week. I missed some things. No one? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going back. I just, I think I, we're only two episodes into season one now. And so it was really funny watching a character call uh, Steve that douchebag Steve Harrington. (laughs) And then I open up the game, and that same character's like, maybe she's talking to that douchebag Steve. Mm. Like, that's weird to see on an old-timey video game, which this actually isn't. <laughs> but it's it's pretty cool. It feels like... I don't know. I don't have enough 8-bit experience to really uh, compare it properly, but it's a lot of fun, and it's got two different difficulties. One is modern day mobile game difficulty and then the other actually calls itself 1984 hard so i gather that's hard i'm not playing it on 1984 hard because i'm not good at video games (laughs) so suck it difficulty people well speaking of difficulty (laughs) and also a mobile game and also one of the games that came out this week Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Late to the party segment is concluded. Now it's the Chris talks about the Switch again segment. (laughs) Which is going to be, that's just a regular segment now. (laughs) Of course. After three and now four episodes, the Switch has appeared in all of them, so it's a thing now. It is definitely a thing. Uh, I got Mario Odyssey, Super Mario Odyssey. Sorry. Super Mario Odyssey! God, I need to stop my impressions, Kyle. I've lost them all. They're I, all gone. Was that supposed to be Mario? I don't know what that was supposed to be. Just move along. No, Nothing to see, nothing to hear here. Uh, anyway, I got the new damn Mario game. and <laughs> That's that's almost what Japan HQ is going to call it, the new damn Mario game. Uh, what should we call the new Mario game? Well, new Super Mario Brothers is taken. How hey, Chris, about new Chris, damn Mario game? Yes. Before you go further with this bit, how about we abandon that voice too? <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you permission to, to abandon that bit. I'll pull this ripcord. <clears throat> so yeah, Mario Odyssey is out, and I have not got a game at launch ooh, in a long time. Uh, I specifically I have not done a midnight quote, you know, finger quotes midnight launch since Brawl. No, I oh, take wow. it back. That was the last big one I remember. I actually do remember going and getting uh, Arkham City on the 360. Oh, yeah. I got that at midnight launch. Uh, because I pre-ordered that from, I think, a Best Buy. And that was kind of fun. But the I was really psyched for Brawl. It was my last big hurrah. And you were there, and so many people were there, of my friends. I invited everyone for the last chance Melee Smash, is what I called it. We played Melee until 11 p.m. Then I made us walk like a mile to the Game Crazy where I had Brawl reserved. 
and mm-hmm. everyone complained the whole time and they're like i don't understand and i say because it's symbolic of the quest and the, the the epic waiting the journey that we took to get here to this night when this game finally released it's sim it's symbolism and everyone's like yeah well we why but no really why i'm like <laughs> it doesn't matter this isn't for you so for me and we got it we went and then of course we drove back i think we had someone could get a car and drive us back i uh, think so yeah. yeah and then we we played until like six to seven a.m we played the new game I remember I got fired that that day and just said, all right, well, I'm driving down to Eugene and I'm going to play Smash Brothers with Chris then. I remember because you knocked at the door and we go, Kyle, I turn to everyone, Kyle's here, yay! And we're like, Kyle, what are you doing here? And you're like, I got fired. He got fired, yay! Everyone cheers. And it was... Yeah, so I was a little bit pissed. <laughs> that playing, playing Brawl, or rather playing uh, Melee for a couple hours, and then pre- uh, watching people play Brawl <laughs> uh, was cathartic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was I got fired from a diner, and I, I, was, I was waiting tables at a diner, got fired at like 6 a.m. when I came in for the beginning <laughs> of my shift, I said, "All right, that's a sign. I got to be in Eugene. I got to play Smash Brothers." There you go. So I uh, bought. So I got Mario Odyssey, uh, and this is "quote unquote" midnight. It was a 9 p.m. release, and I guess it's because now that everything's digital and you can get stuff digitally, makes sense. I'm pretty sure the digital triggers. Actually, I don't actually know if the digital triggers still like time zone wise at midnight, or if it's like, eh, New York has got it, so the. You guys can pretty much trigger it now. I still got it from GameStop, and I I do hate myself a little bit that I got it from GameStop, but I got so obsessed with the idea of I can get it tonight, I can get it now, I can be playing it by the time I get home. Like I couldn't help myself. Went to a GameStop, felt bad about myself, but still got the darn thing. And it's not. Uh, you know, I I I'll forgive a GameStop moment because. Sometimes sometimes we all go to GameStop, I like to think. I like to think that sometimes we all go in, and not every time do we come out empty-handed. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I fully plan to buy uh, Wolfenstein the New Order and the Old Blood combo pack, because mm-hmm. they got it there for like 20 bucks now. Nice. But anyways, Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey, I get the game, I bring it home, and I boot it up. And I'm very hesitant because the game has been hyped through the roof. Um, I've seen it played. I saw it the week uh, prior when I was at Portland Retro. I was hanging out with some YouTube friends. Specifically, I was hanging out with Gerard, the the completionist, in his hotel room uh, with a bunch of other people that were there. Satchel Drakes was there. Norm, the gaming historian. Rue, our buddy Rue from Clan of the Grey Wolf. We were all hanging out uh, with, uh, in addition to other people. And Gerard's playing it to, you know, he's got an early copy playing the game because he's trying to complete it as fast as possible because that's the whole thing that he does, everyone who knows the completionist. And we're having a rip-roaring good time because at some point, uh, the joke of the night, I mean, this is like 10 guys in a hotel room, you know, sleep-deprived, exhausted from an expo weekend, playing a new Mario game. Someone has the joke, what if Doug was an anime? And... This joke carried on in the most beautiful way where everyone was doing like Japanese like anime tropes for Doug. And yes, Doug, like Nickelodeon's Doug. <laughs> it was just like 
it was just wonderful. And then we decided that there was also like the the timeline diverges where the episode where Doug accidentally breaks Mr. Dink's grill. And in timeline A, Mr. Dink forgives Doug. And timeline B, Mr. Dink kills Doug. And that's the fallen hero timeline. And that skews events. And I again, it, we know it's stupid. But this I was, haven't watched enough anime to be fluent enough to follow along with this bit. The bit, I mean, there was no, you don't even have to know anime. You barely just need to know Doug and just know like. Well, that I know. I yeah, got Doug. Roger just got, got this deep, just Dougu. And every, someone would just randomly just go Dougu in like this deep Japanese voice. Because he wasn't Doug, he was Dougu. And it just would bust up laughing and we would come up with just the stupid tropes and someone would do this long string of Japanese and follow it with <laughs> and we would just lose it because it was hysterical and it sounded perfect but the point is we're watching Odyssey and I'm watching basically the final level of the game and some of the biggest like reveals because Gerard is pretty deep into it and I'm not feeling anything which is really weird to me because I stinking love Mario games. I have always been addicted to them and I love them and that's why I knew I got the Switch for Mario Odyssey. The first trailer was pretty much the decision of like, damn, I'm going to have to buy a Switch because I'm going to need that game immediately. Well, yeah, yeah. and and also especially because you dig on the Mario games that are slightly off kilter from the rest of the series. You were a big fan of uh, Sunshine. I love, I still think that Sunshine is the most important Mario game uh, for like understanding what happened to the Mario franchise going forward, mostly because it was it tried something really new that was way different from the previous games, and it took it it took a hit for that. And so then they had to play it slightly safer. And you know, arguably whether you know Galaxy is safer or not, I say Galaxy is much safer safer than uh, Sunshine because Sunshine is like we're gonna do a themed thing. Everything is themed off of, you know, tropical vacation. And I love Sunshine. I think it's great. It's a flawed game. There's lots of flaws to it, but I loved it. Uh, so you're right. I'm, I like off-kilter stuff. And Mario Odyssey looked strange. I mean, yeah. they, they specifically are highlighting, hey, welcome to New Donk City. I'm like, New Donk City? Yeah, like, this is the, this is one of the places. And, you know, the problem I had with the lead-up to Odyssey is they showed so much official official trailers, official products, official everything. So much was shown. And I even started avoiding official stuff after a point, but I couldn't escape it. Because any cool thing would be just discussed in game forums or just on Twitter. I couldn't escape it. Like, I, these are friends I'm still following on Twitter, but... They're just like, let's let's show everything about this game. And so even, you know, sitting there in person watching this game, watching one of the final levels, I eventually had to bow out. Like, all right, I got to go home, get back to the family. But I still saw, like, some of the end game stuff. I felt nothing. So I was worried when I finally booted the game up for myself. Like, why didn't I feel anything for this game? The more I saw, the less interested I became in it, the more I became worried. Playing the game for the first night was one of the most stressful times I've ever had playing a game because this is also the weirdest moment of booting a game and it shows the games itself, the systems like first screen before you even get to Mario Odyssey, it just says, we recommend using just the Joy-Cons. Okay, well that's... uh... 
that already gives me the chills up the back of my neck because the Joy-Cons don't feel right in my hands quite yet the couple of times oh. that I've played with them. so oh, it's, And I know that you're not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of them because I have large hands. I mean, the Joy-Cons were, were, are, are they're very presidential. They are built for... <laughs> They are built for small hands, and oh, that's such a cheap joke. <laughs> You're right. I better better be classier about the kind of jokes well, we make against people, right? Um, anyway, the first thing it says is we recommend you use the Joy Cons as a po- and it shows like it. There's four control schemes: Joy Cons, Pro Controller, uh, handheld mode, and uh, Joy Cons in the little controller dock which is how i first had it i had the joy cons in the controller dock because that's how i prefer to play when i'm on the tv and i'm like i want this game to be on tv specifically and it's a we recommend you don't use three of the four controller schemes for this game and yeah, that that's that's a little weird major red flag just fired up behind me i'm like whoa that's this is this, why and i'm like okay screw you i'm gonna do it my way and almost immediately and it jumps into the action pretty quick and I realized that there, you need to use the Joy-Cons because you need to use the motion controls. I am astonished that this game, do, it requires you to use both button controls and motion controls that do almost the same thing, but you can't do, you have to be able to do both. You can't just, I don't know what, I don't, I don't understand this. Because the thing is, and I didn't know this until I was talking to um, Shane from ReRes, who we'll have on eventually, I'm sure. But I was talking to him a couple weeks ago, and I didn't know that there's motion controls in the game because I had avoided that much spoilers. I had not watched Treehouse Live where they were showing this stuff off. And I hadn't played the game, so I didn't know. But I just assumed they were going to throw in some stupid motion control waggle flick. And sure enough, they did. You flick a Joy-Con, Mario throws his hat. You flick it again, and he'll, the hat will home into enemies or like do a little wider thing. You flick both Joy-Cons up, the hat gets thrown up. You flick them both down, they get thrown down in this like wheelie arc. You flick them both to the side, and you do this large spin thing, which you have to be using. These are all moves you need to be using in the game. You can, however, press the X or Y button to throw your cap. But you can't home with it, and you can't direct it, and you can't do the spinny thing. But you can hold the button, which you also need to do for something. So you throw your hat with the X button at something, and it'll hold it there, and it keeps spinning to do damage, or like breaks a box, or hits a hits a block, something. Or you keep it in the air so you can jump off of it and get some more distance. And I'm astonished that neither control scheme feels full. If I'm using buttons... I lose out on the motion controls, which are necessary for completing parts, or at least it makes it much smoother to play. But if I'm using just the motion controls and ignoring the buttons, then I'm missing out on one of the jump features, and Mario needs all the jump features he can take advantage of. So I actually, the first night, like 45 minutes I spent, uh, took the Joy-Cons back out of the thing, put the Joy-Cons back in the thing. Pulled them back out, put them back in, pulled them out, put the extra like extenders on the Joy Cons, like to the slide thing with the grips, and like oh maybe those will help. That I hated that. Took those off. Finally now, like I I finally just use the Joy Cons now, and it makes sense to me that they would do it this way because Mario is always the like the game that proves how are the how are how is the current consoles controls going to be used. They right. gen- yeah, they're generally always the game to show this is how this will be used. 
here you go. I mean, they showed off uh, everything in Mario 64 with that analog stick. And uh, Sunshine, they were showing off, like, which people don't rem- seem to remember, is that the shoulder buttons were analog so that you could, like, pull them down. So it was like if you slightly press the button, it just kind of sprays. You can run and spray, but if you hold it down until it clicks, and you stay- you're stationary. So that was a little new thing. There were some games that took great advantage of that too. Yeah, I I liked the motion controls in the in Galaxy in Galaxy Two, and some people will say, "Oh, well, you could just use a button control, you know, you need to have that flick." I'm like, sure, but I liked the motion controls in Galaxy. That was fine. I had no problem with that, and I liked the gamepad. I mean, I liked the gamepad in the Wii U, so I had no problem with like Super Mario 3D World or right. Super Mario Brothers Wii U or New Super Mario Brothers U. Sorry. Sorry, well, I will get the names correct. <laughs> I swear to you. Uh, so this was the first Mario game that I ever have like really struggled with controls. I am now used to them because I've played it for a couple days. I've done a lot more. Um, it's a game that's full of stuff. Not all the stuff is filling, but slowly but surely it's adding things every bit I'm playing through. And I'm going, wow, there's another thing that I didn't expect or a cute thing that I didn't expect. That's clever. That's cool. That's interesting. They're, they're finding little things that make me go, whoa. And I've somehow avoided just enough. Like I was playing in uh, one of the first, the first real major level, uh, the sand world level, which has been shown off. It's got like the, um, uh, like, like Spanish looking skeleton, people inhabitants and they they what what was that the, the day of day of the dead what's what's that yeah you you got that that day of the dead de la muerte something something dia de la muerte thank you kyle yes yeah it has that aesthetic to it uh and i kind of like that aesthetic and i'm running around that area and eventually whole thing in this one is that you can take control you you know you throw your cap you possess certain things and certain enemies and items and right. i you know, I'm playing through this stage and I get up to pretty high up and I find this, you know, this character is talking to me. He's a, like a flying lizard. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm up here and I fly around and stuff. I'm like, oh, cool. And I throw my hat at him. And, oh, I take advantage. I'm like, I can be a gliding lizard. Cool. And so, yeah. like, there's a lot of things that are surprising me. And I'm like, well, I, I didn't have that spoiled for me. That must mean there's other things that haven't been spoiled for me. And so I'm hoping... I'm I'm trying to rip through this game at a good pace, but at the same time, I know that I the clock is ticking. Any day now, I'm going to go on Twitter and some jerk is going to have posted, you know, some end the end game reveals like the last little things, and I'm going to be ticked off because this game hasn't been out a week yet, and already I've seen more than I should have seen. Like it's unacceptable how much people are spoiling of this game. Just flagrantly like oh look at this cool thing that i found oh look at this end boss oh look at this thing it's like guys it hasn't even been a full week you're jerks this is really unacceptable for a game that has 850 plus moons and that's even a spoiler that people were giving that away it's like oh my gosh oh guys slow down let people digest this game we used to be able to do this more and it's like oh yeah it just showed off all this stuff i'm like crap well i would have loved to have that cool reveal but now i know that this is an end game thing thanks guys Ugh. i love <laughs> I, I do love this game though uh i'm i'm in it i like it i it took me long enough but i got used to the controls just enough i'm getting better i'm making jumps that i know i'm not like here's the thing that i like i'm able to start making jumps that i'm not supposed to make yet 
so oh. so I'm able to get to to places where I where I'm supposed to go through the natural progression to get to these places, but I'm finding ways to get to them with a clever jump before I'm supposed to get there technically and the game is clearly built to allow that and that's i i like that same happened with breath of the wild and i did appreciate that there's a lot you can do to to technically sequence break but mainly it's like you can do so much and you have a lot of freedom to just use the controls use the world and physics to get through and that's really cool so i like that and i haven't been able to do that since really not since mario 64 that was the last one because mario sunshine there was less of that i felt and definitely galaxy and galaxy 2 and like the 3d lands and 3d world because it was all very linear it's like blocks and stuff and just there's there's not an open world this one's like no you could absolutely sequence break your way through this and go to some place you weren't technically supposed to be able to get to but with a clever jump like you do a long jump to a hat jump to a hat hop to a hat flip and and you know you barely make this jump, and you feel really good about yourself because you did. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I was able to do it in the first stage, and I'm like, whoa, I was able to do something that I don't think I was technically supposed to be able to do yet. But that felt, it felt good. It, it was this little, you know, quite, you know, little moment of satisfaction for me. It kind of ruined when I got to this place and there was nothing there yet because I didn't realize that nothing would appear until after I had done the story mission, or like the the next step but still it was a good mo i felt satisfied that i got to this point so well, that's that's a sure sign that it's doing something right mm -hmm. it's got some cool stuff i loved in the sand level uh one of the th gimmicks in it gimmick you know in a kind word i'm not ragging on this one of the one of the things about it is you have this thing called a jaxi which looks like i think it's like a jaguar taxi is what they're trying to say I'm assuming that's a joke. It's like a little lion-looking statue. Uh, you run on it, and it runs across the sand. You can run over like some some toxic places. And I saw it in trailers, and I just liked I like riding it because it was cool. Because I like lions and cats and things. It's so oh, yeah, it is cool, and it doesn't do much other than just run really fast. You can press the V button to break, and it has a cute braking animation. It's like whoa, I'm trying to break, but I'm still going too fast. I'm like oh, I just like that. It was kind of fun. All right on. And sounds that's, sounds that's, like a. Sounds like a real Chris brand game right there. Yeah. We will see just how deep I'll go into this. I am very disappointed that it looks like there's only one save file. Uh, that's that's a huge negative because I had been planning to take this game to work and letting other people play it. And I thought I'd be able to do that after I had my fill. I, was, I would be able to take it and people could play it. But it seems like, nope, if they're going to play, they're either going to play on my save file, which will be completed by the time I bring it into anybody else, or they're going to have to erase my entire save file. And I don't like either of those options. So we'll see what happens. Right on. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, we should probably move into uh, something a little... Little, little less Mario, a little more spooky, a little more spooktacular. Yeah, in in honor of Halloween, I figure we can talk about some of our favorite things Halloween wise. We're going to talk favorite scary slash Halloween movies. Uh, let's start with that. What's your Kyle? What is your favorite scary slash Halloween movie? Oh boy, I've got a couple that are my mainstays. I I'm a really big fan of the original Halloween movie, the mm -hmm. John Carpenter movie uh the, the origin of michael myers and also the origin of jamie lee curtis and her acting career amazing 
performance yeah. in that movie and apparently she's going to be in the new one that they're <laughs> that they're putting together which is cool yeah i i recently i i rewatched uh, true lies and decided oh my god jamie lee curtis is amazing how wh- <laughs> why why isn't she in more things and now it looks like she's gonna be did you know uh that she loves street fighter yes yeah, yeah. she's actually a big gamer mm-hmm. it's she she is i recently also saw her on the kevin pollack chat show and she's adorable mm-hmm. i I couldn't I couldn't stop just kind of giggling along with her on every every <laughs> silly little bit that she wanted to go on. So you so you've heard the the cosplay story where she went to Comic-Con? Yep. Dressed as Vega. <laughs> yep. That I th- when I heard that I'm like that's just super cool. Oh yeah. That's uh that that to me it felt the same way as when I found out that uh Robin Williams was a big Zelda fan. Oh man, is he a Zelda fan? Well, was. He still is, Kyle. <laughs> okay. Wherever okay. he is, I'm sure he's still a Zelda fan. That's fair. That's fair <laughs> enough. But uh, anyways, yeah, so the original Halloween is great. It's Unfortunately, it's one of those movies where if somebody hasn't seen it before and you try to show it to them, it's a case of, well, this is the most formulaic slasher movie of all time, and you have to go. Well, no, this is the <laughs> this is the first one. All of this was new. Yeah, this is the first time that any of this had happened. Uh, but well, you know, a case could be made that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre predates that with a lot of those tropes, and that's a great one too. That's another mm-hmm. one of my mainstays. And then my other uh, John Carpenter. Uh, one would be the thing. The thing is such a scary movie still mm-hmm. to this day. Uh, as far as recent uh, horror movies that I'm a really big fan of, I really dug The Witch from uh, I think it was I think it was still just last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's much more uh, atmospheric, scary. It's not really. Uh, it doesn't have scare moments. It just kind of has this building tension that kind of weighs heavily on your chest through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing. It's it's a great movie. It's sa- very great sound design on that movie, which is a big thing for horror. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, those are those are the genuinely scary ones, in my opinion. That I I like to throw those on if I can. I I really liked Cabin in the Woods, which of course is less scary and more like let's kind of let's let's deconstruct horror films. Um, but I like that one. I, I really oh yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I really want to rewatch that one sooner or later. And I really like the original Saw. Uh, I I've been meaning to watch it again because I have now watched all Saw movies except for Jigsaw. I need to see. I I want to see Jigsaw. I need to either wait for Chris Wynn, other other Chris, uh, to watch that with because that's I watched the other movies with him. I watched three, four, five, six, and seven with him. So I feel like I need to have him to watch Saw eight. But the original Saw, everyone kind of who has never seen a Saw movie knows the pedigree from the the modern stuff, which oh, is yeah. not good. You don't watch them because they're good movies. You watch them because you know what you're getting into. They, these are the only cheesy, crappy movies that I actually don't mind that they're cheesy, crappy. The original Saw is not cheesy, crappy. The original Saw was a the classic horror film slash thriller that's made on a budget and it's a new thing, and it's very different, and it's very small, contained, and they're 
they have to find workarounds because they don't have the money to just show everything. And that's when you get the that's when you get the best sort of stuff is that people have to get clever and they have to try harder. And I liked what I saw because it was more psychological. It's not just this. You movie. liked what you saw. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, next up, uh, Scary Halloween uh, TV. So this is either Scary Show or like a Halloween special that you oh. find particularly like perfect. Uh, well, I mean, I, I do, I do love Stranger Things season one. That that was a great Halloween themed thing, kind of. Yeah. But going beyond that, oh boy. I mean, as far as Halloween specials, I hadn't even thought of that, but I have to go with, I'll, I'll say this, the Halloween episodes of Roseanne are always a delight for me, because hmm. that show, like, usually sitcoms have a regular uh, Christmas episode or something like that, Community had the paintball episodes, mm-hmm. but the the uh Roseanne Halloween episodes were always kind of a special thing every year where no matter what the plot of the episode is Roseanne and Dan are trying to prank each other they're trying to get each other trying to scare each other hmm. and it's a lot of fun and i i like the fact that it, it i found it very genuine uh how how into halloween the whole family is like go all of the kids from season 1 on all of them just take it a little too far. Lots of fake blood and lots of crazy pranks. I always liked those. Mm-hmm. How about you? Oh, I mean, you got the Treehouse of Horror. Um, oh, well, that's that. Yeah, that's a good one. But that's almost cheating. Like, and it's like, which <laughs> is my favorite Treehouse of Horror? Because there are some really good ones. Just oh, all some big classics. Yeah. Uh, so I mean like I don't know if I could I mean I'm not huge into the original although I do love just the straight up telling of the raven um, that's a great one because there's not really a joke it's just straight up Simpsons and they I mean it's a little humorous but it's still like it's a pretty darn good telling of that story uh, like props to the Simpsons they knew how to be actually pretty spot on with their higher thinking and higher uh you know audience uh but in terms of like halloween stuff beyond that i mean i i'm really into black mirror now so i like a good creepiness there oh yeah totally um and i i love first season of stranger things as well but trying to think of like uh, like the special halloween episodes uh, I mean, also, original Twilight Zone will always be a good one for me. I just, I mm-hmm. absolutely adored some some of the classic episodes. Uh, you know, uh, the the Shatner uh, Terror at Thirty Thousand Feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite original Twilight Zone episode is the Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Huh. Which that's a great one because it's a very simple premise. It's just a little small town, very Leave It to Beaver suburb and just suddenly all all powered devices are rendered useless mm-hmm. so emp blast essentially yeah so car even cars everything just goes off 
and you watch as this little suburb very quickly goes from, huh, what's going on here, to literally chasing each other with pitchforks and torches trying to kill each other. (laughs) It's just a study in paranoia and mob mentality, and it's great. How about cartoon specials? It's your favorite Halloween cartoon special. This could either be like a an episode of a cartoon or like a specific like special that only shows up on Halloween time. Uh hmm. You mean like a like a Charlie Brown type special? I mean yeah, you got the it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. That would be one of mine. That's a good one. Uh my favorite though. Do you remember the Grinch Halloween special? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say it's necessarily great, but it is psychedelic as all hell. Um, because the whole premise is that, and this was done, I'm pretty sure, after uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And it's the premises in Whoville, like when this certain evil wind or like the fall wind blows, you're, you have to be indoors because the Grinch will be out. And he, this boy doesn't listen and he's out and about and he stumbles across the Grinch's path. The Grinch has got like this carriage that he's riding and the Grinch like throws the boy in the carriage and in the carriage is this like box of nightmares basically. And it's that classic, I mean, it's still done in the same art studio that did, uh, or animation studio that did uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but it's just like this Grinch Halloween special. And it's trippy, and it's weird, and just end up, at the end, unsettled in general. It's like, what was that? Why was that? Was it good? I don't know, but I certainly saw it. I've I've never seen this. Uh, This is news to me. I would recommend looking it up. Because I think it was, I mean, I think Dr. Seuss had a hand in it. It wasn't just, like, done as a cash grab. This was something he was involved with. He didn't write a story. Like, it's not based on a book. It's based on his characters. But because he was so closely tied into the first Grinch movie, I think he had a hand in the second one as well. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's a weird oddity. And, yeah, look it up if you need something that's just bonkers. Uh, I don't know if this one counts or not, but it became a little bit of a, well, it was on its way to becoming a Halloween tradition for my family uh, when I had my first kid, uh, is Daffy Duck's Quackbusters, which is, this is this thing that happened during the, the 80s, was Warner Brothers would take all of these old Looney Tunes and they would add some new material oh, right, right. and kind of edit it together into a somewhat coherent plot and narrative. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly an excuse to deliver a bunch of old Looney Tunes into a theatrical feature, which worked for me because the old ones are the good part. Mm-hmm. And this one was a riff on Daffy uh, starting a, a paranormal investigation agency. And it's very 80s. I think there's there's an opening scene where Daffy is uh, failing at selling uh, DeLoreans. Huh. And he, he even, I think he even says that he'll throw in a free six-pack of Billy Beer with every sale. Huh. So that's about as culturally relevant as it gets before it just goes back into 
40s and 50s cartoons. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we were having a lot of fun with that one with Robert because that was something he could watch as a little kid. It's not scary, but it's still Halloween-ish. Yeah. Uh, he, that's, that's the only DVD I, I owned that he actually did destroy so far. Huh. Uh, not, not out of any malicious intent, just, uh, you know, thought it was a toy, so mm. it snapped in half. Yeah. But that's a good one. That's, that's a good amalgamation of some of the spookier Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Charlie is some, his current thing he's obsessed with is Curse the Cowardly Dog. And, oh, and Shreya's. I'm happy this because that's Shreya's favorite show. My wife's favorite show is Courage the Cowardly Dog, and so Charlie, the three year old now, is into Courage the Cowardly Dog, and he really likes it. And I, we have only have the first season, so I realized, oh, I gotta go get another season of this now, at least season two or at least season two to keep this going. Because if he likes a thing that my wife also likes, I want to try to encourage that because that's a special connection. And that's that show is a weird ass show. Oh, it's yeah, it's really strange. I boy, now that you mention it, I have a disc of that it, that came in like a four pack with uh, Dexter's Lab, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and Johnny Bravo. That I think like a good four pack. Those I liked all of those shows. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, for ten bucks. That was a steal. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's it's probably not the entire first season that I have. It's I don't know how many episodes they did for the first season. Sometimes it's really, uh, it's really condensed. But I think the first season was thirteen episodes. Okay. Well, who knows? Maybe I do have the whole first season. <laughs> but I should give that a shot because I, I don't think I've watched that one with him yet. It's uh, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird show. Mm-hmm. But in a good way. That was that was during a run of Cartoon Network shows where it was like we're we're going for it oh, in yeah. a in a big bad way. And if it doesn't make sense, that's okay. Because that was the era of like Cow and Chicken, which was a really kind of disturbing show oh, in I retrospect. Mean, the cartoon cartoons for a while were really trying to be like the edgier Nicktoons. They're yeah. like, hey, what did Renny Stimpy do? We'll be Ren and Stimpy again. So Cow and Chicken was like, let's be really out there. And Courage That really was like the Ren and Stimpy of it. Yeah, Courage was a show that was less out there for the sake of being out there, more like, no, this is actually what we want to do. Like, we have something to say here. This is, this is, I mean, this is on the level like Invader Zim of like, we're not just being weird and creepy for the sake of being weird and creepy. Like, this is, this is the style we intended to do. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's the Twin Peaks of cartoon cartoons. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> a super specific analogy yeah i think we covered games last time we a little bit a little uh bit. we we mentioned alien uh alien isolation did we talk dead space i don't think we did but i do plan on uh you know rest in peace visceral yeah you guys did great work and didn't get enough recognition for it mm-hmm and I I don't know about anybody else, uh, especially folks listening, but I heard about that uh, that single player linear Star Wars game they were making. That was the the elevator pitch of it was uh, like Uncharted Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I would have 
I would have dropped 60 large on that day <laughs> one. And I'm really disappointed that it's probably going to turn into like a crappy MMO of some kind. Yeah, who knows what happened to that. But uh, in in loving memory of Visceral, I do plan on going through Dead Space 1 and 2 uh, pretty soon. Because mm-hmm. that's right up my alley. It's it's survival horror, it's in space, it's... Did you ever play the first one? I didn't get very far into it, but I, I started it once upon a time. I finished and... the first one, and that was a good game. Because it's basically all my favorite parts of Resident Evil 4, but new setting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It I I like it because like it's, I like it because it's like aliens and Event Horizon and all of my favorite kind of space horror movies. But I also I love a shooter, of course, and it's it's a good shooter too. Yeah, it's fun. But uh, it's yeah, very I, satisfying. It is, and I I look forward to spending a little more time there with the first and second one, because they're both backwards compatible, too. Yay! And so is the third one, I think, but, eh. Now, did you ever play Undead Nightmares, the expansion to Red Dead Redemption? I did, and it's... When when it first came out, I remember, because it was, like, 2012, and I, I my immediate reaction was... What? <laughs> zombies. No more zombies. <laughs> and I think that was... I, I think that's a natural reaction. Yeah. But it was still pretty dang good, y'all. It, as far as zombie games go, and especially as far as weird DLC add-ons, uh, that one was great. And if you have got your backwards compatible Red Dead Redemption... On, I believe Undead Nightmare is attached to it as well, so if you got an Xbox One especially, you can, you can play Undead Nightmare right about this time, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good even as just a, just a standalone horror game. Did you... Did, I can't remember. Did you ever play Final Fantasy VII? Uh, yeah, not... I, this is heresy, I realize, but I did not play a ton of it i didn't get very far it's not heresy did you get to the top of the shinra tower uh, yes I, that's ringing a bell it's been it's been a, a couple of minutes since i played There's that game one but... of the absolute scariest like ter- most terrifying sequences i've encountered in a game was in final fantasy 7 and i don't usually say a lot of kind of things about final fantasy 7 that's 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 a sandwich for a different day but <laughs> The sequence where your party is at the t- you get to the top of Shinra Tower, you're all you're you're in cages or not cages, you're you're in jail cells at the top of Shinra Tower. And it's like you you're it's overnight and you're all talking and all of a sudden like you wake up and the music is like cut out and it's just like something's weird. And you realize that your all of the cells are open. You're like, What? And there's just like blood on the ground, and you're like, "What?" And it's this whole just like streak of blood that's leading around. And you get your party, and you're like, "Let's go find it." And the music is just like, just maximum creepy. And you you know follow the blood trail up like a flight of stairs, and you get to the you know president of Shinra is at his desk with a giant ass katana sticking through his back, and you're like, "Oh." 
remember, that's the bad guy we're going to have to fight is this dude that's just like, what is his motives even? Like, he's toying with us. That's creepy. And that, like, I played that at, like, 2 or 3 in the morning when I was in, I think, in high school. And, oh, that creeped me out in such the best way because it was so unsettling. And I like unsettling more than just, like, scary necessarily. Oh, I, I agree. I Boy, talking about an unsettling moment in an otherwise pretty regular, degular game, uh, the dream sequence of Max Payne oh, yeah. is, boy, I mean, not only is it frustrating because it's kind of a similar thing of following a blood trail through pitch blackness and it was it was on such a narrow platform. If you fall off, then you've got to start way back at the beginning, but... Uh, you'd run down the hallway, and the hall would expand. Mm. So it almost looked like a like a tracking dolly shot, like a trombone shot. And through the whole dream sequence level of that game, there's a baby crying in the background, and I'm just I I just couldn't handle it after a while. <laughs> uh, that was that that's a really messed up part of that that first Max Payne game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, I, I agree. Unsettling can be really, really well done in a game and mm. beats a jump scare any day in my book. Yeah. How about scary or Halloween-based comics? Um, I mean, well, I... Uh, more recently, Dark Horse uh, did bring back... I don't know if they're still running them now. Pro- probably not, because they didn't get great numbers, I don't think, but... Uh, Dark Horse owns the rights to the EC comics, uh, Creepy and Eerie. Hmm. Uh, EC Comics was the the horror brand that also came out with like the Tales from the Crypt and uh, Tales from the Dark Side, I think, might have been a separate comic, or maybe I'm conflating that. But uh, Creepy and Eerie came out a couple of years back uh, with new ones, and... They were pretty good. They were uh, in black and white, which kind of helped. It was very moody art. Uh, one one comic a couple of years back also that I was a big fan of from Oni Press uh, right here in Portland. It's not traditionally speaking like a, a horror comic, but it's called The Secret History of D.B. Cooper hmm. by uh, Brian Chiria or Chirilla. I'm not sure which way he pronounces it. Mm-hmm. But it's a very, very disturbing comic. It's only a, a six-issue run. And it's like, oh, you know, the famous Skyjacker D.B. Cooper, what if he were a CIA agent who specialized in psychic assassinations? Hmm. Meaning he would he would go into a psychic trance and assassinate people in their dreams from across the world. And so a lot of the comic is spent in this very unsettling, disturbing, kind of gross, uh, like almost netherworld. So it's, it's, it's got almost like an Inception vibe if whenever they went into a dream in Inception, there were just a whole bunch of like Tetsuo monsters and just disembodied eyeballs and stuff really really crazy artwork and i think that was the main point was this dude wanted to draw some messed up stuff and he came up with a good a good excuse uh that that was a good one though it was really 
weird and interesting and unique. Uh, do you have any comics that fit into that category? Oh, I mean, like, I could say The Long Halloween, but that seems a bit too on the nose. <laughs> Um, it does. There's there's some stories here and there. Uh, one that I liked from Astro City. Do you ever read Astro City? I have in the past, yeah. Yeah, they had one that follows, I, if I'm remembering correctly, the character named The Saint, who's basically the Batman analog. And you find out that he's a vampire in this particular issue. And it's his story. And I really like that one. It seemed a bit, you know creepy Halloween monsterish themed on some level um, in terms of like full on like hey if you want to get in the Halloween mood of just like horror and nonsense Johnny the Homicidal Maniac oh yeah which I read that in one sitting someone gave me the complete collection in college and said read this and I read it in one sitting and took it back to her I was like I just read that in one sitting. She's like, "Oh my gosh, you read it! You're not supposed to do that." I'm like, well, I did. And yeah, I remember that one. It's been a long time, but I remember, I remember the mindset that you had to be in to read that. It was a very particular mindset, that's for sure. Yeah, um, if if you're going more uh, more down the road of something genuinely kind of disturbing and uh it's actually true crime there's a great graphic novel uh that's just called the green river killer mm. uh, i actually got to interview a couple of years back the artist who did the uh the main penciling on that book uh, jonathan case mm. who's a very very awesome dude and he's he's done a couple of books that i admire greatly but such a, a strange idea to put into graphic novel form is the story of, you know, the the catching of the green of of a real life serial killer by talking to an an incarcerated serial killer, very kind of Silence of the Lambs esque, but it was a true story, which makes it a little scarier. And the art is very moody. Uh, there's uh, Case does these great color schemes whenever he does kind of a more off-kilter and less mass-market type of book. Mm -hmm. I, th I thought it was great, but I'm also a really big true crime person. I'm really into that stuff. So yeah. if you are too and you want something different than an Anne Rule book, check out the Green River Killer uh, graphic novel. And lastly... Favorite or best scary Halloween book? That's a really hard one because mm -hmm. I'm I'm a big Stephen King fan, mm -hmm. and a lot of those fit that mold. I mean, The Shining is a very scary book, mm -hmm. but I think if I'm going to pick one Stephen King book that just rattled me for a day. Uh, it might be the circumstances with which I, I read it was Pet Cemetery, because mm -hmm. my my brother I was in college when I first read this book, and I lived with my brother. We we were roommates off campus in an apartment. He adopted a cat, and then proceeded to essentially move in with his girlfriend for a bit. <laughs> leaving me and and paying half the rent on our apartment and everything but basically it was just like I adopted a cat here he is see ya hmm. 
And uh, I still have that cat here in my apartment right now, uh, all of ten years later. <laughs> but he got that cat, and I had to do some laundry, and our laundry room was down the steps and through an open-air courtyard. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was a little shack where the, the coin-operated washing machines were. So I'm sitting in this dank little washing machine shack pressed up against the dryer to stay warm. <laughs> and I'm reading Pet Cemetery with a little, like a bare light bulb over, over my head for, <laughs> for like an hour or two. I'm just sitting there reading this book and I go upstairs and sure enough, there's a cat in my apartment. I don't know what to do because he was also <laughs> our first cat ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we never got to have one as kids. So that it was very special circumstances, but that's also one of the better Stephen King books uh, from from his golden era, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I really like uh, obviously Neil Gaiman has great. Oh stuff. yeah, um, I haven't read a ton of his, but I did, of course, read. Uh, I had well, I listened to a book on tape of uh, the Graveyard Book. Oh yeah, I've heard of this one. Uh, I would highly recommend it. It's I think you'd like it a lot it's a little easier reading or like I would recommend listening to it on audiobook because I read it, heard it because it had a full cast, which is really cool. But, uh, I'd also then checked out another group of audiobooks from him, uh, that was basically like other stories and things he had written. Mm-hmm. And there was one in particular that I just adored and I don't remember the exact name, but it has to do with, it might be called like the black cat or something like that. Uh, and it's, it involves a cat where this, the main character is talking about how their lives, him, him and his family's life in this, you know, little little neighborhood has been fine, but suddenly, like, bad things started happening when this black cat showed up to their doorstep. And this black cat, um, every night, he would just hear this thing yowling, and it would come in the house, and, like, they adopted this thing into their house, and it was just this, it was this messed up, gnarled cat. Like, its ear was all mangled, and it lost an eye and, like, leg, and just said, this looks like things, whatever attacked this cat, like, got it good. And when the cat was in the house, um, like recovering for the couple days, like their whole family life just kind of went downhill. Like people were mad and angry and like bad stuff was happening to the family until the cat healed and then was outside again. And the main character then notices that like one night he looks out and he sees that this figure keeps approaching the house every night and the cat fights it off. And he realizes, you know, without saying it, he's like, that creature's the devil. That's Satan. Satan's coming to our house every night, and this cat single-handedly fights it off. And every night, like, it comes in, and we try to help it recover. And, like, the last line is, you know, this, like, he's like, the big question is, how much more can this cat give us? And it's this, like, oh, that's kind of cool. Because I, of course, like cats. Right, But it's also a good, like it's a well-written story this creepy is all all heck and like the conclusion that's like record scratch like this yeah it's very it's very much your imagination fills in the scariest part exactly Um, yeah i I love that kind of motif the my absolute favorite creepy unsettling everything uh the audio version of world war z is so good have you heard that oh yeah yeah that, that's actually how i went through world war z for the first time was the audiobook with the full cast yep 
Oh my gosh, I've listened to it twice, uh, and I'm going to listen to it again sooner than later because it, oh, it's so, so good. So good. And that, like, that, I'm not big into zombies. There's, but that particular, like, audio version of it is so good because it is creepy and it is really uncomfortable every time they tell the story of, like, something you wouldn't have thought about with zombies and just the, the horror of this world now. Is so good. Oh yeah, uh, that was that was one that I listened to when I was doing the in college. I held a sign outside a little Caesars. That was one of my college jobs, mm-hmm. and I devoured audiobooks. And that was actually one of them that came out like it was the new book that came out that week. Oh. And uh, that was one I I forgot that I was standing on the street corner with a sign in my hands. I just kind of started staring at my shoes listening to that one. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Oh, highly recommend that one. Well, those are our favorites of that. So wrap up this this creepy sandwich. Why don't we tell everyone some of our favorite costumes from our Halloween days? Oh, from our past. From our past. What's your What's your best costumes, Kyle? Oh, well, I mean, I've done a lot of good couples costumes with my wife over the years. Uh, We came to a party of yours dressed as uh, Betty and Barney Rubble. That was a good one. I remember what you and I did, Fred and Barney, one year. We did, yeah. I've I've used the Barney costume a couple of times because I I look like Barney Rubble, so (laughs) it's appropriate. Uh, And then she and I also did Wreck-It Ralph and uh, Vanellope. That was a great one. That was pretty good. It was uh, hers was great. She put a lot of detail into hers, and I did my best. You were pretty spot on. Uh, uh, let's see. As far as me singularly, um, did I can't remember. Did you do um, Carl from Up? I did. That was actually. Uh, I might have some some of those pictures on Facebook still. Uh, there was a. This was a Halloween where Rosalie and I decided. The day of, hey, uh, we don't have any Halloween costumes. We didn't have any Halloween plans either. We sat and I believe that was we watched uh, an American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. which is one of that. I I gotta go back and put that in. That's one of my favorite Halloween movies as well. <laughs> uh, that's that's the definitive werewolf movie for me is American Werewolf <laughs> in London. But we're watching that and. We just decide, what if we improvised Halloween costumes, like, right on the spot, just just for a goof? And I was just like, um, let's, let's pour powdered sugar in my hair, and, uh, we got some, we got some balloons, I can, I can inflate some balloons, and I got a cane, <laughs> and I got suspenders, and that was it, that was, I just happened to have all that stuff, and... The powdered sugar, luckily, washes right out. Yep. And my hair is such a light color that you pour something like powdered sugar or flour into it, and, yep, white white as a sheet. <laughs> so, and I bear more than a passing resemblance uh, to Carl in shape, so that helped. <laughs> that was a big deal. That was a pretty good one. I got, I got a, a really good uh, reaction to that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, you of course have have been Indiana Jones a couple of times. I was back, yeah. I was Indiana Jones in high school and in college here and there. That was always a big uh, 
That was oh, that was always a big crowd pleaser in our gr- our drama group, mostly just because I had a whip, and <laughs> yeah, you had the leather jacket and the hat, of course, but you had a whip. Yeah, I had a which whip. nobody thinks about. Yeah, and that people enjoyed the whip, and uh, I I could just play up the character well at the time. Um, I have uh, my more recent like success has been as Wolverine. Like sans real costume. I mean, it's like I have, I have the chops, and I got the hair, and I got the Wolverine face. Like when I want the rage face, and I, I have, I made some claws and stuff like that, and I got a good leather jacket that looks like modern Logan type stuff. Yeah, and and the claws look pretty good too. Those were good handmade claws. Because mm-hmm. I took some like, I was looking for some Wolverine claws, and there's an actual, like there, there's they're like. It looked like the back of his hand with claws popping out these cheapo plastic ones. Then I'm like, you know, that looks like garbage. So I stuffed them in some like f- some fingerless gloves and made it look like they're coming out of the gloves rather than like at the, my hand. So that you know, they look like they're coming out of my hand, but in the gloves, and it looks more like what he'd be wearing. And of course, the funny thing that I tell people is like, it actually does hurt every time you put the gloves on because like the plastic, <laughs> I had to like break the plastic around it to fit and it's like a little jagged. And so you stuff it in your hand, it's not a perfect fit, but it looks like a good fit after the gloves are on. It's just, they hurt every time you put them on. Yeah, perfect for it. <laughs> um, I also have a Mario costume that I have done multiple times. Um, yeah, like, I I think we we did Mario and Luigi at one point in high school, if I remember right. I think so, and of course, even though it would have made more sense for me to be Luigi and you to be Mario, I was like, no, I'm Mario. That was fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think I gave you the Luigi. Do you still have the Luigi hat somewhere? Maybe? No, I, gave, I gave that back to you. you did? Okay. That was that was a loan. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember the Luigi. I don't know where Luigi hat is. It's probably in my hat somewhere. But I still have the Mario hat. I still sometimes just wear that normally. Um, I've done some other stuff. I've done Luke or uh, Ness from Earthbound because I have the costume pieces for that. I've uh, Shreya, Charlie, and I one year did Rescue Rangers because that's he, a good one. Because he had the uh, we realized like, hey, someone had got him a basically looked like Dale's little red Hawaiian shirt. So all we had to do for him was just like you know put a little red nose on him, like a little red face paint. I dressed up as Chip and Shreya was Gadget. It was like. Hey, it's my childhood, uh, little childhood fantasy there. Oh boy, be married to Gadget. Well, and I, I, I can say, uh, at least from my opinion, that Shreya, yeah, that's that's kind of perfect right there. Is her playing mm-hmm. Gadget? And I mean, it's funny because she had just no con. She's like, I didn't watch Rush Rangers when I was a kid. I'm like, ugh, typical. <laughs> <laughs> this would you you you're like perfect like you look like gadget just you if you were a mouse you would look like gadget and she did because she looked like gadget when she dressed up so that was i think that was the only like couples costume we've ever done together and it was pretty much a one shot like we did it for like one group of pictures at like the nintendo halloween party and that was it mm. otherwise i mean most all the time i was always dressed as mario that's in some form or another. One year I did Link. Only one year was I able to pull that off, and that was in college. Because I went to a costume shop and I asked like for help, like let's assemble a Link costume. And they like, yeah, let's figure this out. And it was kind of fun because this is down in Eugene, where it was you know a Eugene style costume shop. 
And they're just like, well, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to find pieces. So I was wearing some, some like brown tights and like these particular shoes for it. And I had, they found me like some really thick green tunic and I got green hat and, and I already had the master shield or the master sword and the Herulean shield. So yeah, I, I had the important aspects to it, but put this whole costume together and it was like, yeah, this, you know what it's supposed to be, but it's my own creation. And that was really fun. Oh, that's, that's yeah. barrels of fun for you, especially. Okay. Actually, I think the very best costume I've ever done was my tingle costume. That, <laughs> that one was, I, someday I'll wear it again. It was really hard to get on because the, like, I didn't do the, the like the head cone and the ear cones very well. And I need to do those again someday, but the whole costume, like it's too perfect. And the, it, the problem is I didn't have it. Like I didn't take it to anywhere that people really appreciated it. I did wear it out with Shreya. We went to uh, a bar in Redmond and I got so many looks and not the good kind because we go into the bar and it's like, <laughs> it is Halloween and Shreya and I are dressed up and nobody else in the bar is dressed up. Oh, well, that's, that's just awkward. That's, that's just go to another bar. Well, I mean, like, this was a good place, because it, was, it wasn't just a bar. It was like a Mexican restaurant that just happened to also be a bar. that oh, okay. You had to be 21 to eat at this, and it was a really good Mexican restaurant, uh, Matador. Anyone in, in Redmond was like, oh, Matador, I know that one. Yeah, it was really good, but nobody else was dressed up. Like, what? I get it. You're all adults, but it's Halloween, and you're in a place that's like a, it's, you know, Day of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was really ticked. Like, nobody else is dressed up, and I'm sitting there in a, you know, as Tingle in this restaurant, and so many, like, glares for people. I'm, That's I a just, particularly bad costume to be the only folks in costume. Yeah. Like, yep, I'm, like, really exposed here, and I cannot not wear this costume. And, uh, good lord, let this dinner be over. But I still had great pictures from that, and I even actually sent a picture of that to Way Forward, and I won a free game from them because, like, in the little contest. So I was very, I was very, very proud of that. Oh yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And on that note, I think we've that's all Halloween. Oh, that's that's all the Halloween there is. Yeah, that's definitely that's all the Halloween you're gonna get at least until next year. We've uh, shutting it down. Halloween is over. It probably is by the time you you listen to this. Most likely. Uh, but this, this has been a really good post-mortem on Halloween. It has been. <laughs> uh, Kyle, where can people find us? Everywhere. They can find us on uh, Twitter. I'm at Kyle Martinak. And I'm at the Chris Pranger. And the show itself is at media underscore sandwich. And you can also find the uh, show page on Facebook, which is uh, facebook.com slash media sandwich show. And then, of course, you can find not just the show, but also blog posts on all sorts of pop culture stuff over at uh, media-sandwich.blogspot.com. It's been kind of quiet over there the last few weeks as I finish the Cinema Autopsy book. But now that that's open and shut case it's it's gone it's it's in the kindle store and it's available for your perusal right now that frees me up to write some more blog posts and hopefully 
little more varied content. I do a lot of movie reviews and a lot of movie-related stuff, but it's a blog, so I'm going to write what I want to write, mm-hmm. and hopefully you like it, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Self-righteous indignance there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tweet at us, write at us, send us whatever you want. Uh, give us questions, comments, uh, that uh, things you want to see, questions you want us to answer. Yeah, definitely. Out. We're we're up for any crazy pop culture questions, any taste questions, mm-hmm. whatever you want. Yeah. I don't know what next episode is going to be. It's going to be episode five. It'll be a big episode because five. And I think we're, we might be face-to-face for that episode. Yes, we'll try to do that. Uh, so... Tune in next time for more sandwiches. Yes, for a sandwich platter next time. All right, bye-bye. Well, we can keep that because this will be fun of us just trying to think of our favorite scary slash Halloween movie, TV movies, TV shows, or episodes, cartoons, games, comics, monsters, books, songs, favorite scary holiday or Halloween novelty songs. Oh, oh, mine's Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Sure. (laughs) He said exactly what we were all thinking. (laughs) <laughs> I to- asked Kyle for his favorite holiday or Halloween scare. He said, "Where wolf bar mitzvah?" <laughs>